Hello everyone, welcome to episode 24 of Wake Up Call. Today we're going to be talking about student advocacy with someone that I met three years ago at the Youth Parliament of Manitoba, presented a bill on information privacy. Is that right, Carla? Yeah, that's correct. Cybersecurity. Yeah. I have a good I have a good memory. Carla, you wear a lot of hats. You're a student, you're an advocate, you work for the government. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Carla? Oh my gosh, so great to see you, Vishwa, again after how many years of uh, you know, being apart and seeing you grow through social media. It's a it's a great pleasure to be on your show and thanks again, Milda, for for having me as well. Uh, hey folks, my name is Carla Tanasha. My pronouns are she and her. Uh, I am a current student at the University of Winnipeg taking international development studies, as well as public policy and administration. Uh, like Vishwa said, I wear a lot of hats. I'm the current chairperson of Pinoy's on Parliament, the largest and uh, the first national youth organization uh, here in Canada. And I am also the racialized co-commissioner for Canadian Federation of Students, Manitoba. And this April, I'll be the incoming deputy chairperson. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, also, as Vishal mentioned, uh, I've been working in civil service for, I think, since I graduated high school. So I've had the pleasure to understand the inner workings of you know, both the federal and the provincial government, both working partisan and nonpartisan. Uh, and yeah, just seeing how all of these systems, the executive, the legislative system kind of work together in order to make, you know, our society function in that way. Uh, so yeah, today I'm super excited to talk about student advocacy, uh, how I got involved. I'm actually wearing my youth parliament sweater today, and it's totally not planned. I uh, I came home last night and I was like, I need something cozy. Uh, but you know, I'd like to talk about my my beginnings there as a as a young little advocate and how youth parliament really aided in in that process. It's really great to have you on. Uh, so I guess the first question from us is a very broad and abstract one. Um, why is student advocacy important? Student advocacy, you know, when I talk to folks about it, they're kind of just like, hmm, yeah, that's kind of cool that you you do that. Uh, but what they don't understand is like they, they actually do have the power as well to, to be heard. Here in Canada, our population is obviously aging, right? Like we had a lot of baby boomers and now they're all starting to retire. Uh, and the population now, that's the working age or millennials and Gen Zs. And, you know, we make up a significant amount of the population. And yet, when you look at political platforms, uh, it's always like students are an afterthought. And um, there's, there's not a lot of policies that really address student needs. And so it's important for us, you know, as undergrads, as people who are going to post-secondary institutions to get our voices heard out, out there. There's also been statistics from the last maybe five years that says that youth have not been voting. Uh, and so, you know, even if 
we don't practice uh, democracy in that way. We do have the opportunity uh, to engage at the community level and try to understand what we need. Uh, for example, here in Manitoba, tuition has risen for, I think, over 20% now in the last six years. And it's become more and more unaffordable. And I've heard of people having to drop out or have had to you know, pay off their student loans. And so they had to go uh, to work full time so that they can finish their degree. And it's becoming really unfortunate because, you know, we, we have education as this, you know, class gateway. And that's, you know, it's very, very true. Like for myself, I'm a 1.5 generation immigrant and my neither of my parents finished school. And so if you really want to succeed nowadays, like you have to have a degree. And the fact that it's uh, becoming more inaccessible, it, it's really a shame. Yeah, it, it truly is. Um, I think we actually did a whole episode about the university industrial complex and how everyone is basically tied to these degrees, whether they actually need them or not for their work. So you mentioned earlier that you did work for a few years, I mean, and, and are continuing to work for a few years in the civil service. Um, and getting to see the inner workings of the government. How does how does that inform your advocacy? Do you feel like you have some additional sort of insider knowledge on like how government policies, as they relate to students, are made, what the attitudes of people in power are towards students? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my, my experience ranges from working in, in different departments. I have not worked in, you know, the Department of Advanced Education, uh, but, you know, I, I had the opportunity to work on Parliament Hill, both at the House of Commons and the Senate, and also, you know, here in the provincial government. Uh, I definitely think that young voices are, you know, are, are not heard as, as loud as we want them to be. And when politicians don't see the visibility of young students, they're not really incentivized to think about them. So they go out there and they try to campaign and appeal towards homeowners, um, old people especially, uh, but there's nothing that says that you know, they should uh, be a little bit more robust when it comes to reaching out to young people. And again, that's because we, we don't vote. <laughs> that's that's the fact of it. And it's really a shame um, that we're always an afterthought. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, there there have been engagements, uh, but I, I feel like when I'm on tables like that, I always have to, uh, you know, establish myself as like, you know, I'm not the only young person that you're going to meet. I'm not here to be, you know, tokenized as, as a young person. And uh, just because I'm here on the table doesn't mean you can check your young person box because, you know, as young people, we have different ideologies and uh, we have different beliefs. Some of us are fiscally conservative and socially liberal and vice versa. Uh, so it's really important that, you know, we, we get our voices heard out there because otherwise there would be no policies that are geared towards us. Yeah, I totally love that message. Um, so now we want to talk about what are some of the primary concerns for students? You mentioned rising tuition fees. Is there anything else that is mainly on the mind of students and student advocacy organizations right now? 
Yeah, no, great question. I mean, I can definitely speak on, on the Manitoba, Canada side of things. Uh, you know, I, I've already mentioned the rising tuition costs and how education has been inaccessible to, to a lot of people. But then there's also that other side to it, right? Like job opportunities, especially in a place like Canada where it's highly educated and yet people really vie for these positions. Uh, people uh, move out to the West, like for example, in Vancouver or to the East in Toronto, where mostly, you know, the, the high profile sec tech, especially tech sector jobs or business jobs are concentrated in. And it's a shame that we have to move out of the city uh, so that we would have access to these opportunities. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's great that there's always industries that are hiring, like retail, um, restaurants and whatnot. But I, I feel like if we really want students to be able to practice what they've been learning in school, then there has to be more co-op programs. There has to be more internships. And not only that, but paid co-op and internship programs. Because a lot of organizations frame internships as, you know, this. Uh, it's a privilege, right, to be able to work in a company that, um, you know, that does great work, and yet you have to pay to be able to get into that industry, which is totally unfair. And so, you know, government and other industries definitely need to work together in order to provide those opportunities. Because like, you know, like I said, millennials and Gen Z, man, like we compose a, a good chunk of the population. And if we don't have that experience, uh, then no one will hire us. And especially with job postings right now, you have to have a minimum of at least three years uh, of experience. And it's like, how would I do that if I've never had a job before? Um, so there's that, jobs and opportunities. And then uh, here in Manitoba specifically, we have the problem of international student healthcare. Uh, in the past, you know, international student healthcare was covered under, uh, you know, the, the Manitoba Health Insurance, but in recent years, they have removed that and instead international students have to uh, apply for insurance, uh, private insurance that way. But uh, it, it really has disincentivized a lot of people from moving here to Manitoba, or if they come to Manitoba, they get surprised that, you know, they, they have to pay massive fees in order to go to the hospital to get a treatment. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate because healthcare should be, or is it should be a human right, right? Like I, uh, we've been working, you know, lobbying government groups, even the opposition to really get those voices heard. Because uh, right now in Canada, I, know, I don't know, Mildef, you're uh, aware, but um, international students compose so much of our student fees. Uh, they pay at least double the amount of domestic tuition. And the fact that they can't even be covered, um, you know, under insurance, uh, it's a little bit embarrassing that you, you promise that you're going to come to Canada, this first world country, but hey, you have to pay for a broken bone. Uh, it's, I don't think it's fair at all. So we've been uh, doing some campaigns, again, lobbying uh, in order to, to really make the officials hear that this is painful for a lot of students. And if they want 
people to stay in Manitoba, then they're going to have to do something about that. Yeah, I can't lie. I'm one of those guilty people that went out east um, in search of opportunity. I guess you could say that the Manitoba government failed me. I mean, it, it's a shit because like you are so talented, you're so smart. And yet I feel like you being out east, right? It's just, it's a little bit more beneficial to you. Like you are now volunteering in different capacities. You're like literally writing for a scholarly, you know, publication. And I don't think you're going to have that here in Manitoba. Like there's yeah. very sparse opportunities here. That is, that is probably true. So I want to shift gears a little bit and uh, talk about um, the CFS in particular, because it's not an organization that, I mean, of course, our international viewers are going to have no idea what the CFS is, um, but it's not an organization that a lot of people, I feel like, know a lot about. But you have had um, and take credit for quite a few accomplishments, including the removal of working caps for international students, uh, persuading the government of Manitoba to like pause their plan of implementing a, a performance-based funding system for universities and extending federal supports for disabilities through your lobbying. Um, so obviously you're, you're a huge organization, but I feel like a lot of people don't know a lot about what the CFS does. Do you want to expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the CFS has been around since 1985 or maybe even earlier than that. You can fact check me. Uh, but CFS stands for the Canadian Federation of Students, and it has different uh, satellite organizations in, pro in different provinces and territories here in Canada. The CFS is the largest student union. And so what um, our member universities have as a model is that their students pay a very small fee. I think it's here in Manitoba, it's less than $16 per year uh, in order to contribute to CFS's activities. And that's mainly, um, you know, government lobbying for student issues, like we mentioned, tuition, um, you know, accessibility, and also, you know, a broad range of, of other social policies. Um, CFS is also responsible, again, for, for a lot of wins uh, for international students, for First Nations Inuit and Métis students, and also for racialized students like myself. Um, CFS has been revolutionary in that part because it, uh, it has really united Canadian student voices. And I, I think as an organization with that massive scale, um, it's important that, uh, you know, like it, it states like that, because like I mentioned, you know, students and young people often don't have time to vote or don't want to vote. And so a united student voice uh, has been essential to our voices heard, especially in the places of power, uh, you know, like the provincial government and the federal government. Um, you know, the average student probably doesn't have time to really think about how you know, government uh, policies affect them, but their CFS, you know, that, that tries to fight for, for what's right and what's, what's fair uh, for many, many students. Yeah, um, so we heard about some of your previous achievements and how the CPS operates more broadly. Could you tell us something that you're working on right now and you're aiming to achieve in the coming years? 
Yeah, uh, we actually just finished our lobby week and lobby week is, you know, definitely what it sounds like. Uh, we go to the legislative assembly and we try to meet with the government as well as different oppositions and, uh, you know, present these resolutions that we have. Uh, it's going to be election year here in Manitoba soon. And so we've met with different political parties and kind of hinted at, uh, you know, that these resolutions that we are presenting. So number one, of course, is uh, the bringing back, you know, the, the tuition cap here in Manitoba. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, tuition is getting more and more expensive. And during the last uh, Manitoba budget announcement, they announced that they would cap tuition at 2.75% this year. However, you know, that's, that's great and all, but tu you know, tuition is going to keep rising. And so hopefully uh, we can present, um, you know, solutions for that. And one is bringing back the tuition rebate program here in Manitoba in the past. Uh, if you decided to stay here and you uh, after you finish your university degree, you actually get 60% of your tuition back and it's, you know, it's staggered in, in years, but that really incentivized people to stay. Um, the second one is, you know, proposing what they have in British Columbia, which is a loan forgiveness program for occupations that work in the public sector, for example, nurses and teachers. And from what we've seen so far, those really are the industries where we're struggling the most. Uh, here in Manitoba, we just launched a pilot program to recruit nurses from the Philippines so that they can come and work here. And, you know, the talent pool here in Manitoba is it's pretty big, uh, but, you know, we don't have the resources to, uh, you know, help nurses to be in school because there's only limited seats and we have limited resources. So if we had something like that, we would encourage a lot more people to to go into that sector. And ultimately, you know, like the, the goal is to make tuition free for everybody. I mean, Milda, you're from Europe and we've always envy, envied our European partners because, you know, they're very forward thinking when it comes to education. I feel like it's a little bit more accessible there than it is here in Canada. And, you know, if we want a brighter future, we want smarter Canadians uh, and a more robust economy, then, you know, maybe free education is, is the solution to that. It's not gonna solve everything, but uh, I, I believe that it really would alleviate people out of, out of their struggles. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence about free edu education just because I think that it might further, um, I don't know, further this whole cycle of people thinking that they need a university degree. But I mean, at the same time, maybe if it's free, people won't think that it's something that, that's that important anymore, you know, since anyone, there's no barriers to entry to get it. I don't know. I'm on the fence about that. That's a discussion for another time. Um, but what I do want... Yeah, sorry. But um, what I do want to talk about um, with the CFS is as a broader student um, advocacy group that comprises multiple sort of member chapters, um, it's probably hard to get like a homogenous point of view that you're that you're going to share and present as advocates. And I mean, of course, we can talk about the whole University of Manitoba situation, but like leaving the details aside, what is the CFS's, I mean, 
the CFS is obviously a much more like actively political organization than most um, university unions. And a lot of students seem to be um, turned off by that. Um, and maybe a lot are put onto the CFS um, by that. But um, when regarding student advocacy, what is the CFS's philosophy when it comes to making political statements and political ideology decisions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, CFS, uh, it has a national organization, of course, that oversees, um, you know, different chapters in different provinces. But at the end of the day, like, it's definitely up to whoever's on the ground to decide, you know, what kind of coalitions and what kind of statements that they would make. I think CFS is unique in that way that, you know, we are not afraid to, uh, you know, to stand by uh, political beliefs. Uh, we actually just wrapped up a, here in Manitoba, we wrapped up a, a community conversation about the rising, uh, rising costs of living, inflation, and it, it had a panel of about six other people. So it's stuff like that that we do. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, strictly a, a student issue, but it's an issue that, you know, affects everybody. And I, I think that's a good analogy as to uh, how to explain CFS's ideology. Um, you know, I would even come so far to, to mention that it, it probably is super leftist. And that's why people, you know, might be a little bit more cautious when they're thinking about CFS. And I mean, I could only speak about CFS Manitoba in that way. Uh, but historically, you know, maybe that is that is how people perceive the Canadian Federation of Students. I like to think that CFS is uh, a little bit more community oriented um, because it's aware about what's happening on the ground. And right now it is rising tuition costs, it's the rising cost of living and you know other things such as racial injustice and the fact that uh, you know er everyday racism is present in, in what we call so-called Canada. And we're finding ways in order to partner with Indigenous groups, Indigenous organizations, to see how we can insert ourselves in those conversations and how we can uh, encourage other students to also realize, you know, their their place of privilege, but also um, understand, you know, the histories uh, involved in us being here in Canada, especially for, you know, young immigrants like myself who are who are not aware of what has happened in the past. Uh, you know, one thing that also was a big issue of contention in the past was, uh, you know, some CFS members um, sympathizing with what, what happened in the pipeline protests. And I think, you know, Canada is is amazing in that way that you can you can have freedom of speech and whatnot. But I understand why people might question, you know, why as an organization, you know, you're representing uh, that you would make bold political beliefs like that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, CFS is doing great work. And it's, I, I think it's a strength that we are getting involved in issues, wherein students don't usually have a voice. I, I feel like I keep saying that in, in this episode. And it's because I, I think that's true that students, um, don't vote sometimes, but they, they do engage themselves in, in different ways to be more involved in politics. And there's so there's an opportunity there at CFS um, to, to practice those beliefs. Yeah, I think there's always a dilemma and 
issues about how to best organize an advocacy group and you know definitely not always everyone's interests will be fulfilled and everyone will be happy so it's an ongoing dilemma always um, but that kind of poses a broader question about student advocacy how does ideology of advocates and power not like creep into the broader decisions of the whole group like would you say that the ideology of cps aligns with the students or more the political goals of the employees yeah so obviously i can only speak on you know cfs manitoba i haven't really uh had you know a relationship with national in that way um you know organizing it's always hard uh you know because like you said there's always going to be different political ideologies there's always going to be disagreements, even you know, within the memberships and whatnot. But luckily, here in Manitoba, like we've we've always established ourselves as a, a group that has a, you know, the best interests of students. And what we what we do is like we go out, especially in the community, and we actually engage and ask students what exactly they want. I'm not sure if that's you know how how other memberships operate. But a lot of the campaigns that we are working on that, uh, you know, stemmed out of the fact that somebody came to us and was like, hey, can you can you help us out with this? So one example of that is uh, our programming um, that helps black students with, you know, their the rent, uh, understanding what their rights are. They've experienced a lot of racism uh, that, you know, that came from their landlords. And so, you know, that's one of the action plans that we had and we wouldn't be able to do that if uh, we didn't notice that there was a problem or somebody didn't raise that to us i mean rising tuition costs i that i feel like that's uh that's a general given right given the inaccess the growing inaccessibility of tuition fees and of course this international student health care that we keep talking about because yeah, a lot of students have come up and said that it's really unfair how I have to pay, uh, you know, a thousand dollars for an ultrasound or have to miss work so that I can I can go for an appointment. Um, you know, that's how we try to operate here in uh, in, in Manitoba. And it's uh, it's a great opportunity to, to hear from folks and see what they really think. I mean, like Vishwa said, you know, maybe people um, other people might not see the the benefits of having free tuition costs or might be might err on the side of caution, especially, you know, what if we make tuition free and then people just take forever to do their undergrad or just take unlimited, uh, you know, uh, degrees, but there's definitely policies that we can put in place so that it doesn't get abused, right? Um, and that's why we try to be as multi-partisan as possible ideology wise like i would say you know we're, we're a little bit more on the left but we we try to hear from all government organizations and all political parties and see how you know our interests could be aligned to that uh, at the end of the day like it's all about what students uh would want and what students would need. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, students here in Manitoba and maybe elsewhere would want affordable tuition, if not free tuition, healthcare that's accessible uh, and not a thousand dollars for a visit. 
and you know a healthier environment uh an understanding that we we are immigrants and settlers and we have so much to learn from the indigenous people of this land and i think cfs does a very good job of trying to put together all of those issues and making it digestible and accessible for a lot of students here in canada yeah i completely agree i think that i think that the view that the rights of students and and the needs of students can be completely detached from political realities is is just silly and and incorrect the the last thing i have to ask you is um for our audience really i mean obviously our listeners are mainly university students and of course they care about issues like their tuition and their health care and student advocacy more broadly what is what are some ways that they get involved in student advocacy where do you where do you start that's a great question and uh fortunately for us that are in university there are so many clubs and organization and also internship and co-op opportunities um you know maybe not as many here in manitoba but you know as long as you're a student your your door is completely open uh to to different experiences if you are someone who is politically inclined and you kind of you know understand where you stand on you know the spectrum then i would encourage you to seek out you know what political organizations you have uh on campus there's here in manitoba there's the young conservatives uh there's the young new democrats and also the young liberals and what they do is they try to engage folks um in uh, in a way that's a little bit more partisan so you get to learn how to campaign you get to learn how to put forward a policy fun fact uh when i was with the young liberals um i didn't know this before but they were actually the ones who proposed the uh you know the legalization of marijuana and they did that literally wrote it down during you know their one of their policy sessions and it made it all the way to the national convention and now weed is legal that's incredible that was literally the 2015 big promise it was and uh and look what that did to the liberals that probably had something to do with them getting elected and that's because a group of these these students were like, yeah, let's let's propose that. It sounds a little crazy, but let's do it. Um, so you know, if you want to get involved in policy making and campaigning, being on the ground, being a political strategist, I encourage you to do that. Uh, and you actually will climb up the ranks the ranks pretty fast because once they know you and they associate your name, um, a lot more opportunities will come to you. Uh, I've had friends that you know started out as interns and now. They're campaign managers. One of them just wrapped up uh, a campaign, uh, uh, you know, for conservative leadership. Unfortunately, you know, they lost, but uh, it's it's amazing how they started out as, as students. Um, so that's the political side of things. If you're a little bit more neutral and you are more interested in the legislative and maybe the executive process, then look at uh, the federal student work what is it called federal student work program F-SWEP. yeah yes uh, although it's a little bit of a, a lottery uh i'm not gonna lie about that but they do have a lot of student opportunities whether in you're in agriculture um you're in business or you're in political science uh they 
they give you a lot of work placements and, and in that way, you know, you get to learn about um, how the federal government works or how their departments work. Here in Manitoba, there's this uh, student employment program, the STEP program, and they place you with a department as well. It's a smaller scale version of FSWEP. And, you know, again, if you're in university, take advantage of your co-op programs uh, because, you know, Canada, again, very educated, although tuition is expensive, but when you're in a place where everybody could get the same four-year degree, you have to have some kind of advantage over your peers. And you do that through volunteering, you do that through work placements, something that would say, this person knows what they're talking about, even though they don't have three years of experience. There are so many skills that are transferable, so many skills that, um, you know, that are unique. Uh, and yet, if you apply it in a different manner, like you'll totally be successful at that. I mean, Youth Parliament, me and Vizua have, uh, have joined that in our high school days. And I would say that whatever I've learned there, public speaking, uh, political acumen, it's something that I still utilize to this day. Um, that, and also keep your connections open, never burn bridges. And uh, political ideologies, there's, there's hyper-partisanship now, but open up your ears to, to different conversations. Don't just hang out with people that are of the same political spectrum because that's uh, that's how you get ideologically stunted. We have a lot more common than than you think. Uh, yeah, so that's that. Uh, very long winded, but I, I encourage a lot of people to get themselves out there and uh, and look at yourselves as leaders and as someone that's worthy to be heard of. Those are absolute words of wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Carla. If our listeners want to you know, um, connect with you, um, where do they find you? I am on Instagram. I have officially opened up my Instagram to the public because, um, I don't know, I feel like I have stuff to say and things that you might enjoy as well. You can follow my journey, uh, at zero K a Y Carla on Instagram. Um, and if you want to get involved with the Federation of Students, you can look up Canadian Federation of Students. If you are a Filipino Canadian age 16 to 30 years old, and you want to get more, or you want to get a little bit more knowledge about your culture and heritage, uh, follow Pinoy's on Parliament on Instagram. We're going to have our conference, uh, the sixth conference next year in February during spring break. And, you know, if you are inclined to, to join politically, look up different uh, youth organizations in your area. Thank you so much, Carla. It's great seeing you again. And if you want to find Wake Up Call Podcast everywhere, you can go to at Wake Up Call Podcast on TikTok and at Wake Up Call Podcast with underscores between it on Instagram. See ya. <laughs>